0: Live from the 6.07, it's the Ocho Dural Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. M. joining me in studio, as always, is the co-host. It's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, and comics, so let's join in that conversation, shall we? Hit us up on our social media accounts. You can find them on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And remember, use the hashtag ODPH to join in, because we definitely want to interact with you, because there is a lot to discuss. Now, Sunday was the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. if you're not a sports fan, it was probably Sunday. But you still watched anyway because there's always the commercials to watch.
1: And you like to watch Sammy Watkins and Sean McCoy become Super Bowl champions.
0: Pat has to remind me as a Buffalo Bills fan every day. I do. and you I do. Know, it's, my,
1: it's my contractual obligation.
0: It is. It's now in the contract to be on the show. So that being said, for a sports fan, Kansas City beats San, San Francisco. We've talked about that in the sports show. But for anybody that's not into sports, there is still more to do with the Super Bowl that would catch your eye. And like I said, the commercials are the big thing. Now, mm-hmm. we did see a trailer for The Fast Nine. I will just sum it up in one shot. <laughs> so I won't even get into that. We saw some new footage for the Black Widow movie that's coming yeah. out in May. But As nothing... if
1: we needed to be convinced anymore to see that movie.
0: Right. I, there was nothing really too crazy about to really deep dive into. But what we're kicking off this episode with is the Disney Plus commercial. Now, on this commercial, we saw the next... Phase, I guess you can call it, of the MCU on streaming service because you can't really say MCU on TV. Well,
1: I wouldn't even say it's the next phase. It's because it's all you know, one banner. It's all under one umbrella. It's you know, I would say if you want to say phase, it's the first phase of how the television is going to be going forward. Because in the past, of course, we've had Agents of Shield, which we hear at the, on the show love and adore. Absolutely, you know, it has its it has its moments where it's not so good, but still loving adore door you know we we've had the netflix stuff with the you know the defenders and what have you but it's always kind of been we're gonna loosely mention it and we're gonna kind of indirectly reference it and kind of indirectly be connected to it but you're never really gonna see one affect the other you no. know but with what we're seeing now with what's coming from this especially from out of this trailer is ev, you know like you know People used to say it's now going to be true. Everything's connected.
0: Yes. Under the Kevin Feige rule now, because he has now taken over the streaming television products. Mm-hmm. He is now really implemented that everything is going to be connected. He is spinning off characters from the Avengers movie saga, the MCU, into their own shows.
1: Which and I think is a great idea because there are obviously some of these characters. Great characters. Awesome. Love the portrayals might not necessarily be worth doing a full-fledged movie about. Fully agree. But you can still get away with doing you know, a, a, a limited series on Disney Plus with.
0: Absolutely. So this is where you can see smaller characters get some shine. And then who knows? If the demand is that big, they might spawn into their own movies. But the first three out of the gate that we had some information about coming was the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. Yep. WandaVision. Yep. And Loki. Yep. So that is what we saw in this commercial. Now, we did see some things, not a whole heck of a lot, but there's a lot to digest. We are going to be talking spoilers. So if you're trying to go into these shows not knowing anything, pause this episode and then save it for the rainy day when they come out. Otherwise, we're diving right in. We definitely want to interact with you. So in three, two, one, pad.
1: What did you think? I was, you know, I was very much anticipating this trailer. You know, there was word that kind of leaked on the Internet that it was going to come. But we only knew knew it was going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier, which makes sense because that's the first one out of the gate that's coming out. You know, so we were like, all right, we're expecting it. But I was not expecting to see that plus WandaVision and Loki. I was very happy to see all three.
0: I was extremely happy to see all three.
1: Especially with, you know, Loki, we kind of know what we're going to get with. It's going to be him gallivanting through the timeline and screwing things up, which is going to be hilarious. Just because it's Tom Hiddleston and Tom Hiddleston's great in that role. But and and you kind of know what you're going to get with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I've seen I've heard it described as like a buddy cop. Show type thing, which I'm like, all right, I'm I'm down for that, especially with, I forget which movie it was in. I think it was what was it, Civil War, where they're in the car seat together, they're in the car together, and and uh, Bucky goes, "Can you move your seat forward?" No, like I just more of that banter, please. But the one I was most interested for was probably Wandavision, just because the way it's been, this show's been described, in in. The stuff I've read online, it just sounds trippy, but in a good way.
0: Yeah, this one definitely caught my eye as being the commercial to watch for for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And obviously, being the MCU fan that I am, a lot was being highly anticipated for this. And I was very happy with what I saw from all three. So we're going to just jump into the footage because the the commercial opens up with Captain America's shield stuck in a tree. Mm -hmm. And you see Sam Wilson, played by Anthony Mackie, once again. Grabbing it and testing to throw it, so he's getting used to having the mantle of Captain America. We assume.
1: Well, and maybe he's trying to figure out how to get that thing to bounce. Because I've been going through and rewatching the the Marvel movies in order, you know, release order, not chronological order. And and you know, Chris Evans, you know, Captain Rogers could get that thing to bounce off of darn near anything. Maybe he's trying to learn how to get it to like a to throw the thing because it's not like a, it's not exactly like throwing a frisbee. You know, you know, and as much as a gifted soldier as he is and what have you, it, I can't imagine that it's like, oh, I'll just pick this up and I'll be instantly a master at it. Like Obviously, there's a learning curve with it, and maybe he's trying to learn how to bounce the thing.
0: Well, it's something that he's going to have to get used to because the Falcon has never had the shield. It's always yeah. been in the possession of Steve Rogers, and obviously due to the end of Endgame mm-hmm. currently, he is no longer, Steve Rogers is no longer Captain America. The mantle has been passed on to Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. And from this, we get a flash forward to it looks like sky soldiers Mm -hmm. or it's some
1: sort of like military force uh, in wingsuits, which are awesome. And there's they're they're falling through the air. And there's even one quick shot, which I just happened to notice is because I paused it in the right spot where the wingsuit guy in the wingsuit is falling backwards through the sky while holding pistols in both hands, looking like he's getting ready to fire at somebody falling down backwards.
0: Yeah, so that is a cool shot, and we're not really sure who that's supposed to be representing. Uh, with obviously the Captain America lineage, it could be literally anybody. More yeah. Hydra, maybe AIM. Yeah. Who knows? But Hydra's we, still out there. We do see though an action shot of the Falcon flying through. I'm presuming it could either be like the Grand Canyon or a mountain regime.
1: I'm thinking Grand Canyon. They'll they'll go for, for someplace like well known. That okay? We in the U.S. It might be someplace obscure that like the U. We in the U.S. know, but like somebody else. Outside the country won't know. Grand Canyon, everyone's going to know that. Right. So it's going
0: to be a cool fight scene. We're not sure exactly what is going on there. Right. uh, But, you know, just enough action to keep us entertained. Then we get to a face-off between Sebastian Stan reprising his role as Bucky Barnes, the looks winter soldier. looks like you got a soldier. haircut. Yes, he did. He does look like he did when he was Captain America in the comics. Looking
1: summertime fresh.
0: Absolutely. Sebastian Stan is back and he's facing off with a returning Baron Zemo, played by Daniel Brühl. Mm-hmm. And this is a really interesting scene because... Bucky has a gun pointed at Zemo. Yep. And then when they show it, the bullets are coming out of the gun.
1: Now, and I want to know. This looks like it's Bucky's. Uh, what? What is it? Not. It's not vibranium. Vibranium anymore. The metal out of Wakanda. Oh, it's
0: vibranium. Oh, is it vibranium? Yep. Okay. Uh,
1: it's. It looks like it's Bucky's vibranium arm. And I want to know the bullets aren't fired. No. They're still, like, usable.
0: Right. And something is going on there. I know in the comics Zemo does not have powers. Sure. So I'm going to say that this is not a Zemo effect that he's got telekinesis or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But Bucky can't pull the trigger. And what really is interesting about this, if you know anything about the comics, when Bucky Barnes took over the role as Captain America for a brief stint of time, Mm -hmm. his end run as Cap was against Baron Zemo. Uh it was, right. it was Ed Brubaker's final issue after revitalizing that character and I cannot stress enough if you have not read Brubaker's Captain America, you need to read Captain America. He's the one who create, who brought Bucky Barnes back uh-huh. from being one of the untouchable dead characters of comics right. and made him relevant and dare I say shot him into the stratosphere. Yeah. The whole original Winter Soldier saga, how it is in the comics is uh, it's a masterpiece. Let alone, I am hoping they're going to tie in elements of this into the show.
1: I would imagine so.
0: I, I'm hoping so. I mean, I don't know if they're going to let Bucky become Captain America in this
1: or what's exactly going to happen. I don't think so because I can't imagine that in one breath you're going to have, you know, Steve Rogers hand the shield to Falcon and say, you're the next captain. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the next one to take the mantle. And in the next breath, they go, oh, hey, yeah, never mind. We're going to give the shield to, to Bucky. Not to say Bucky's not deserving of it, but I can't imagine them playing hot potato with the shield like that.
0: They can and they can't. I, I know in the comics. They might
1: they might tease it further. Like I just watched uh, Captain America and Winter, the Winter Soldier the other day. And there is that shot when they first fight each other for real in the streets. And, and he holds that shield, and there is that shot of, like, hey, they're teasing. it. like, oh, you might have the shield someday. They might tease it a little further or give you another little breadcrumb for those of you who haven't picked up on it yet. You know, I'm, I might see him do that, but in terms of, like, giving them the shield, I don't think so.
0: It, it might happen. It might not. I mean, it's just one of those really could go in many different directions, sure. like moments, because in the comics, it's definitely been done where the shield and the mantle of Captain America has gone to both Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes. Whatever they want to do with the comic, or I mean the show, rather, if they want to follow the comic or not, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what's going to be really telling. I am very intrigued, though, that we're having a Bucky versus Zemo standoff, and especially with how that storyline ended in the comics is really going to be fun if they decide to copy that. But we don't know. And they didn't show enough other than we know Zemo is back. Mm -hmm. We did see to kind of jump ahead a little bit from the commercial we did see what I am calling the first appearance of Wyatt Russell playing John Walker, aka the U.S. agent. Mm-hmm. Now, Pat, are you familiar with this character from the comic? Nope. Okay, brief synopsis. And I, I've said previously we are talking spoilers. Around Captain America 333, yeah, I'm definitely showing my uh, comic book knowledge. you on your muscles. Yes. They ran a storyline where Captain America was stripped of the title of Captain America uh, by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And it was a very well-written story by Mark Grenwald, if I'm not mistaken, that it was essentially Captain America works for the U.S. government, and Captain America said, I represent the ideals, I don't work for the government. So they took Steve Rogers out of the role of Captain America, and they forced in John Walker, mm-hmm. who was a very... <laughs> bad choice, as it turned out, uh, was not uh, super-powered by any means, but he basically took superhero steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a time where there was, I believe by Justin Hammer from Iron Man fame, okay. that they were basically creating superheroes, super-villains mm-hmm. using um, like a power enhancer, so basically he became a genetically engineered human. Mm-hmm. And Definitely was not the right person for the job. Sure. Uh, I think at one point he actually crossed the line and
1: killed somebody. That doesn't surprise me. And
0: it turned out that Steve Rogers had to have a battle with him for the mantle and rightfully took it back from him.
1: Sure. And, And maybe going off of that, I can see that with this being the show that, okay, Cap's dead. Well, Steve Rogers is dead. You know, the government doesn't want to lose that symbol of hope and ideals and morals and whatnot that, you know, it's a good figurehead to look to. It's a good face for the government to put out. You know, it it helps them in every way, shape and form. So they're going to take the mantle, quote unquote, give it to this other guy and because the public at large might not know that cap is dead. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something we didn't see really. During Endgame, okay, yeah, Cap is dead. We, the viewers, know that, and the and the folks, the superheroes, and those who know Cap know he's dead. You know, those would be immediate to him. But and they had a funeral, obviously. But we don't know what his situation is in the world. Like, for, well, like for the for the rest of the world, we don't really know if the world knows that Steve Rogers is dead. Well, Steve
0: Rogers faded off into the sunset. Right. He, he didn't pass away, but I think that it's going to be assumed that he is, to kind of right. clear that up. Because the only one that we had the oh, funeral for yeah, right. was Iron Man. Oh, that's but, right. But Steve Rogers was obviously aged to his proper age yeah. from the Super Soldier Serum. Yeah. So, at this stage, he's in his 90s. And, right, and yeah. No, he,
1: I apologize. I got my characters mixed up, but... but Going back, you know, so I, can, I can't I can see the government being like, oh, we can't exactly use an 80, 90-year-old man as a symbol for ideal and hope. We still need that figurehead, if you will. So why don't we give it to somebody else?
0: Yeah, and if, they, and if Sam Wilson does not want to play ball with them, they decide, well, we're just going to have our own because it will probably borrow elements from the Mark Runwell story. Could be. So I fully imagine that, and you're going to see why the U.S. agent who – he eventually takes that role over, and you're going to see him at the end of the comic and like may, that.
1: And maybe it'll be kind of like with Captain America 1 where at first, you know, because the shot we see in the trailer is of him at a football game, fireworks going off, there's a marching band playing, and they're all wearing the, you know, they're not wearing high school marching band uniforms. It looks like they're wearing uniforms that are supposed to, like, represent, you know, Captain America. You know, so maybe they're doing a little bit of, like, what in Captain America 1 where they're bringing him out to functions and events and, hey, look at how great I am. Support, support, you know. Support me. Support the country. Support this. Support that. But they're also having him go out on missions to like because it's the day and age of the Internet. It's not the day and age of like Cap and World War Two. We're like, hey, just take our word for it. He's doing really good things like everyone's got a cell phone on the planet now. No one's gonna buy that, so they gotta maybe fly him out for submissions, and that's where, like you said, he went nuts and killed a guy, and well, that might happen, and they, somebody catches it on their cell phone.
0: Yeah, like I say, he's a complete different personality than Steve Rogers. Yeah, oh, yeah. And this gets exposed, and I guarantee you, the premise of this film is going to be that Sam and Bucky are gonna fight to get the mantle back, mm-hmm. and obviously give us some prestige. The U.S. agent will eventually go work for the government, and they can spin him off in the different shows because I, he does play a role into other teams if you go through the marvel history uh it's like i say it's kind of messy he's not my favorite character by any stretch of the means uh he's really just kind of a big big jerk that is all i i want to say super steroided out so enough said on that one but we do see a glimpse of him at like a pep rally or sporting event coming in so it's going to be interesting how they tie it in and that was all the footage we had for Falcon and Winter Soldier. We did get a release date of August 2020. Yep. It's going to be six episodes, which it seems like that's going to be the premise for all of these shows, too. Yeah. That we've seen. WandaVision, which we're going to cover next, that is going to be six episodes.
1: Well, and I know some people moving be going, oh, six episodes, that's really short. It is, but at the same time, I feel like it's the right length where you get in... You get your stuff, you get your action, you get your story, you get your plot out, you get out, you're done. There's no time for filler. There's no time for whole episodes where, all right, you get to the end of it and you go, all right, what the heck was the point of that?
0: And plus, I think trying to lock up Hollywood actors into doing TV shows, yeah, it might be tough at this stage to yeah. do pending. Yeah, depending yeah. I, I think that that's going to be something that if you're joining the MCU in whatever fashion, that's going to be tied into contracts. And I think doing the one-off like this might spin into something else. It all depends on what they want to do with the film deals and the the Avengers franchise moving forward. Mm-hmm. So wait and see on that. But from what we saw, definitely liked what I saw. Oh, absolutely. Got, that had more of my interest and more excitement for me to say, this is coming out in August. I'm even holding out some hope this is going to get bumped earlier. Well, maybe because I know that they're having issues with people canceling Disney Plus now because mm-hmm. there's no original content. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't doubt maybe gets bumped up to April.
1: Right, and like you said, these actors are busy folks, and it, you know, fitting them in for a television series, which isn't just oh, hey, you film your stuff, you're out, you're done. You know, it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, you look back to last year where Sebastian Stan himself was in one, two, three different movies. You know, he was in Avengers Endgame movie called Endings Beginnings, and then another movie called The Last Full Measure. You know, so the man was in three movies last year, which you know that's not exactly a you're in for a cup of tea and then you're out.
0: Right. So if it's going to be committed, and who knows? I mean, it might spawn into something. Yeah. We don't know at this stage. It could go a lot of different ways. Just the only thing that we know is it's locked and loaded for six episodes. It could take off into another direction, mm. and we're just gonna have to wait and see. But I am excited from what we're seeing thus far with that. Going to the next project that we saw, and this one had the most questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul Bettany is reprising his role as the Vision. Elizabeth Olsen is back as the Scarlet Witch. Yep. And we really don't have a lot of answers. Right. But we see basically an acid trip through time.
1: To put it mildly. To
0: put it mildly, because where we open is... Like the Ozzy and Harriet show. Yeah. If you're not sure what that is, just Google it. Or go to YouTube. I'm sure you can find an episode. Absolutely. One of the classics of American television. And you see that it's the happy homemakers, so Mm -hmm. to speak, of Wanda and Vision finally have their happiness. Say, it
1: almost reminds me maybe a little bit of uh, I Love Lucy, too.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Like it just it represents that time frame of of television. Yeah. So as it opens up, we kind of see... They're enjoying their their bliss, I guess you can call it. Mm-hmm. And we do see time jumps through history. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure what this is exactly supposed to represent.
1: I, I'm not sure there's really anything you can base it off of, but I think it's just kind of establishing that, like, okay, the show is focusing on Wanda and Vision, but it's not, it's not going to be set in one time period that, like, You're going to be jumping around a bit. You are, and I think this ties into
0: the basis of the show because my unofficial ODPH opinion is Mm -hmm. if you know anything about the Scarlet Witch's powers, Mm -hmm. she is one of the
1: most powerful characters in all of the MCU. She got rid of the mutants. Exactly. Not one, not two, not three, not four, all of them. If
0: you really want to see the extent of her powers when she loses her control or just basically emotionally... Lashes out. Three words House of M. Yeah. One of the best Marvel crossovers they've done, but you can see the full extent of the Scarlet Witch and what she is capable of when she goes that route. I think what they're going to do is she is so emotionally upset about losing the vision, she is trying to bring him back.
1: Yeah, which would make sense. I mean, you saw with Avengers Endgame when she came back, after she came back to life. She was ready to take on Thanos by herself and rip his head off. Yeah.
0: so You took
1: everything from me.
0: And I think that we're going to see that play out in here, that she's going to try getting him back.
1: Well, and I, I, I kind of got to imagine that it's going to start off as a, you know, we're not going to start off that she's in this, you know, other dimension, pocket dimension, whatever it is, with Vision there, quote unquote, alive. I would imagine it's her kind of like messing around and just kind of doing stuff, and and maybe she comes across it. Oh, hey, wait a minute. I have the ability to do X. That could possibly lead to me getting vision back. Why don't I further explore this? Right. So at this
0: stage, this is all we kind of are just jumping off that we're seeing that she is set in the 50s and... Wanda is just reliving life or we're seeing life in her, her eyes mm-hmm. throughout the various decades. Yeah. Cause we jump in, we see her, it appears to be the 1970s mm-hmm. and it, she does appear pregnant yeah. at this time. Yeah. So, and if you know anything about the history of the vision and Scarlet witch, that is a very real thing. Yeah. So we see that they progress onward into what looks like the eighties mm-hmm. and at this stage, this is what really caught my eye most of anything. It appears that the Scarlet Witch is in her traditional costume, mm-hmm. not the one you see in the movies—the
1: yeah. one straight up from
0: the comics in the '80s and
1: '70s. And which is
0: interesting because
1: if I read right the other day, uh, it's if I read the uh, thing correctly, it sounded like uh, Joss Whedon when he was talking to Elizabeth Olsen about the character. He's like, "Go home, Google search the 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 character. You'll never have to dress up in that." And I don't imagine she's going to be in there for, like, an entire episode or an entire portion of the episode. To me, this looks like something that, like, you know, maybe it's for, like, a Halloween costume party yeah, type of thing. That, like, I can't imagine they're going to have her running around in this thing.
0: I, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I mean, that was the thing that really just jumped in. that I, I'm i sitting there going, I I don't know. Yeah. And I don't exactly know how this is going to play out. So, who knows but it's a cool throwback to the comic it does represent a lot yeah whether that sticks or not i don't know i mean it could it could not yeah so as we still progress though we see her in modern times after a little stint where it looks like she's on the set of roseanne yeah tv show yeah that's the first thing i I thought of so we don't exactly know it's a lot of her staring at someone we're assuming it's the vision we don't know let's say the one of her in the 90s looks she
1: looks Angry as all
0: hell. Yeah, she looks absolutely mad and just absolutely losing her mind it's about like this. Vision
1: forgot to bring home the loaf of bread after work. Something.
0: It's just absolutely crazy about it. So it does jump ahead a little bit that we do see a, like a happy dancing on a honeymoon, so mm-hmm. they're finally married. And then it jumps to what is causing a lot of stir on the Internet, and that is the scene... Of Vision and Scarlet Witch standing in front of what appears to be two cribs. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know the comics, you do know that they do have two children. Mm-hmm. The story behind them is one of the messiest and most bat-crazy storylines I think I've read. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, I'm going to. Do you even want me to try attempting to sum this up?
1: Just to see you do it, yes.
0: All right. So basically, take in essence of her mixed in with demon possession, mixed in with spells, and put it in a blender and just
1: call it reasons. I'll say demon possession, that, that would make sense for the show, given what this show is going to directly tie into.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a train wreck. I mean, when you when you really want to break it down, I don't. For me, just the whole story reveal of her children is just it's crazy, mm-hmm. and it just gets more out there. And because the Vision is an android, she is. It's just just call it comics and call it reasons. I'm just going to yeah. leave it at that. And where it goes from there, if you know the comics, it kind of splits into two things. One, we will not see, and that is House of M.
1: Yeah, a little early for that. You will not see that.
0: But where I do think you're going to see the slow buildup, and I'm going to say a change from the comics to a degree, is this is where we start seeing that the children that are Vision and Scarlet Witches are going to be Wiccan and Speed. Okay. So let's see how that plays out. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's kind of all re- I'm getting the vibe from. The only other thing that's kind of giving me solace is seeing the vision doing his Ozzy, uh, you know, best look there, Ozzy and Harriet. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to tie into Tom King's The Vision story. Could be. Which is excellent if you have not read it, and you definitely need to. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, that's pretty much the only takeaway I had from that. Yeah. I mean, overall, what did you think about that?
1: I I thought it was a very interesting look. It's kind of the one we don't really know the most about. And, you know, it's the one I think a lot of people are excited for just because when they announced it, they said that the show was going to directly tie into the next Doctor Strange movie. So I think a lot of people are like, all right, this is the first time we're getting kind of like a prelude to a movie. And very interested to see, all right, what is this going to mean? Yeah.
0: So... It's going to be absolutely wild to see. It's going to be six episodes slated for October of 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't think that one's going to move. I think it's no. going to stay locked and loaded. In fact, I'm really hoping we see something in New York Comic Con for that.
1: I'm willing to bet that because Disney Plus is doing weekly episode releases, I'm willing to bet that whenever this premieres, the final episode will be either like the week will be the week before uh, the Doctor Strange movie comes out.
0: It would make a lot of sense to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I, I The only thing I know slated for this late in November is going to be Eternals. Mm-hmm. I don't see this tying in with that. No. I really don't.
1: Might be a loose mention, but.
0: It could be a loose mention. And like I've said before, the Eternals, which actually just wrapped up filming. Yep. So in the process of editing and that all set up, the only thing you're going to see in the connection is the word mutant get involved. Yeah. I guarantee you you're going to hear that. In, but in, oh my that God, term. that
1: means we're going to see Galactus and we're going to see Silver Surfer.
0: No. No. Stop it. Uh, pump the brakes on that. Like I said, the only thing you're going to see is maybe a quick mention about the multiverse and just whatever the heck is going on in this thing, in this show. I like I say, I'm hoping they borrow a lot from Tom King's Vision story with this. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be weird seeing Wiccan and Speed get introduced because,
1: to I, be fair though, it was weird seeing Wanda and Quicksilver introduced back in uh, Captain America Two. That like that was something I don't think we thought we'd ever see. Or you mean Avengers Two? No, I'm, no, I mean, well, they first got shown in the post-credits scene for Cap 2. Right. I don't think that was something we ever thought we'd see, given at that point how messy the rights were, given folks with uh, mutant powers. Yeah, and how they explained it, I don't know if they're going to retcon that. Uh, I would imagine they're going to. I, I would, you would imagine.
0: It would make sense to do. I kind of hope they do. And if yeah. you, you know the characters, you know why. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I, I this had a lot of answers for me, but a lot more questions. And I fully think it's just Wanda trying to get vision back and just her powers are absolutely back crazy. And what she does, like I say, the history of how the twins happen is absolutely it's a mess. Mm-hmm. You can call it reasons and leave it at that. And like I said, if I messed up try talking about it, I apologize. I recommend reading the Avengers West Coast, Mm -hmm. and you can get caught up about that. Uh, Maybe it's a better translation because I tell you what, I've read it a few times. I still go, what the hell happened? Mm -hmm. I can't translate it. It's a mess. But if it spawns off into the Young Avengers, which I think we're going to see a show at some point, I'm all for it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Young Avengers happen. Yeah. But the final show that we did see in this trailer, and we didn't see a lot. No, because
1: I think it's like just started filming not long ago.
0: No, it's it's just barely started is Loki. Mm -hmm. Now, Tom Hiddleston is back playing the God of Mischief, and we know from the events of Avengers Endgame, he's jumping around time.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, where they're going with this, I can only guess at, and I had to go. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be amazing that he's just basically messing through time. And if, if he
1: can go through time and go to major points in history, like major events in history and basically like, oh, this like the reason, like, you know, World War One started with the murder of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, if he, they can like somehow work it around like, oh, Loki caused them to that to be the cause or like just have him go through history and just major events. And Loki's the reason that all of those happened. I would be a serious just laugh.
0: I'd love to see that. I, I But I think they're going to do that with Deadpool. Like, I don't know. I don't know why.
1: Well, maybe for, for some reason,
0: because that's almost like breaking the fourth wall. But if, if Loki could do that and just be caught through running around time and just doing Loki things, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be cool. But we do see him and it appears that he is in a jail cell or interrogation room and he tells somebody, I'm going to burn
1: this whole place to the ground, which is typical Loki fashion.
0: Right. And I had to do some research online and I found an, a good article from IGN about this, that the logo on his shirt is TVA it stands for the time variance authority. Mm -hmm. Now I will be very honest. I don't know a lot about this group because if you know anything about Marvel's history and timelines, it's messy, it's messy and it's not really enforced because you always have the 616 universe that, you know, Mm -hmm. this is not as messy as DC's timelines. There's always one universal 616 universe that we know that is the Marvel universe. If anything should ever happen to change the timeline, it still stains or still sticks to this one. It does. It stays. It doesn't move. You might have variances in the future and such, but it always remains true. So I've never really heard of this group. Mm-hmm. I know that Owen Wilson has been casted in this show. Wow! Which it hasn't been announced, but going off of there's a group holding Loki. I'm gonna guess he's the head of it.
1: Could be. And
0: honestly, after that, well, and given
1: the fact, time variance authority, time. Okay, self-explanatory variance. Okay, a difference. Authority. Okay, they're in charge. Uh, Loki ain't supposed to be alive right now. No, he's supposed to be dead. So the fact that he's gallivanting through time and possibly into the future, at a, you know, a la like the Flash, you know, and, and with uh, Reverse Flash, you know, oh, you're not supposed to be alive. So we're gonna have those demon par- whatever things come after you. I can see this kind of being a similar thing where okay, he's gallivanting through time. He's at a point where he should be alive, and he's messing with things. We got to put it at the kai on this.
0: Yeah, so something's going to happen there if we're actually going to see an enforcement by the TBA. Uh, that'd be the first I've seen because I'll be honest, I had to go search and, like I said, IGN had an article about him, and I'm like, I still have never heard of these guys. Mm-hmm. So it could be interesting if, and like I said, if Olin Wilson is casted in this role. Wow. Yeah. I think that he's going to be playing the head of it. And where they go from there, I mean, is anybody's guess? It's supposed to tie into Doctor Strange 2. Mm-hmm. So I think that this one will be the last episode leads into
1: Oh, yeah, that could be.
0: Into that. I don't think it's going to be Eternals. But overall, though, I was happy with what I saw. Really excited for Falcon and, and Winter Soldier. Yeah. WandaVision, like I said, and like I say, I apologize if I butchered that because that one just looks like it's combining a lot into it. Sure. And don't know what to expect other than it's going to be a trip it's going to be a trip i'm sure it's going to come out fine uh however they try explaining the kids (laughs) that's going to be i want to see how they do that because like i said if you've read the comic it's weird and it's it is what it is a lot of magic and and random sh- bleh, involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it. And how they first handle it um, leads to House of N. And then where they go from there, we get Young Avengers. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Just I hope they borrow a lot from Tom King's vision, though. I really want to see if that if they can do that on screen. And then for Loki, <laughs> jury is still out, but it's Tom Hiddleston doing Tom Hiddleston. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know but let us know what you think hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph what is your thoughts on the disney plus announcements that came out super bowl sunday definitely want to know we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back do you ever find yourself sitting on the couch late at night wondering
2: what should i watch aimlessly flipping through streaming services pondering as you let your cursor settle over a title but you just can't bring yourself to commit and push play Well, guess what? We do that, and we made a podcast about it. Because everybody makes podcasts, but we decided to make ours about movies. I'm Kay. I'm E. And together, we start a journey through cinema where we watch a movie, sit down, discuss it, debate it, test each other's knowledge of it, and then give our final seal of approval or disapproval. Yeah. So join us as we try to search the infinite web, attempting to answer the age-old question, what should we watch?
0: So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and drop us a comment. Let us know what you think and we'll have some interactive portions where you can join the fun.
2: So, pop some popcorn, pop some wine, and join us, won't you? Tune in to What Should We Watch with K&E.
0: Coming at you live, brother.
2: It's not live.
0: Coming at you... Pre-recorded
2: and Pre-recorded edited. Pre-recorded
0: edited and delivered, brother. Bye.
2: Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH.
0: Coming back for the next segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk some CW news. Yeah. Now, the final show has returned from Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. and that is The Flash. Yep. So, we are picking up where Barry and the rest of Team Flash is now. Post-Oliver Queen sacrificing himself to save the multiverse, and everybody is now on Earth Prime. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking spoilers.
1: So, in three, two, one, Pad, what did you think? I thought it was an okay episode. You know, wasn't exactly the home run smash out of the park I expected it to be. You know, kind of a tame episode, kind of a light episode, but, you know, still interested. with. It was kind of like and almost like an epilogue for the Flash characters where they were still kind of dealing with everything that had happened from Crisis and, and moving forward from that. And I'm very interested to see where they go.
0: Uh, I thought this was good in a lot of sense. Um, didn't really blow me away. Yeah. But they're setting up some things, and there was one character that stood out, and now I, I don't I don't really know where they're going with it. Okay. But, but we jump in, and the team is... Basically, back to being status quo. stat quo. Jitters has been rebuilt.
1: Everybody's yeah. favorite coffee shop robbed inside thirty seconds. And robbed inside thirty seconds. The guy, the the, the robber walks and goes, "Give me all the money in the cash register." Yeah. And the and the owner looks at her and goes, "We literally just opened. There's nothing in there." And he goes, "Wait, uh, really? Yeah. Well, then I guess I I I guess I'm gonna start blowing stuff up."
0: Yeah, no spoiler on that one, but the rest of it, you know we're jumping into those spoilers. That was pretty much Stat Quote. Barry comes in, saves the day from armed, which, dare I say, just for simple robbers, Mm -hmm. they were pretty well armed. Yeah,
1: they were packing. They were
0: packing some serious weaponry. Uh Uh-huh. But Barry goes in to save the day, and then we see that Iris has now formed her newspaper Team Citizen, I believe it's called. Yeah. And they're now investigating uh, some organizations and... You're
1: swinging for the fences very early.
0: Yeah, which I I thought that was a little bit of a stretch. Sure. I I did, but, you know, it is what is. Obviously, I think some stuff has now been fast-forwarded because of Oliver. So Iris is now the head of her newspaper, and she's investigating uh, McCullen Technologies. Mm -hmm. And we really don't know what's going on there, but we do know that there is some organization called Black Hole Mm -hmm. that is involved with them. Yep. And as Iris is investigating their CEO, what happens, but there is a hit put out yep. on her. Yep. Now, Pad, do you know who the character is that was trying to kill them? Nope. Dr. Kimio
1: Yoshi. Yo- where and the other thing we should note is there's a lot of organizations and a lot of people that, you know, we're not familiar with and not, you know, knowing that they, they explained this really well where they had this almost like you know, trading card collection that I guess Cisco had made of all their heroes, all their villains, and all, you know, kind of like a baseball trading card type deal. And you know Cisco's having this like break existential breakdown where he's freaking out, going, "Oh my god! Not only do we have to save the city, but now our threats have like quadrupled. We have more metas in in existence than we ever had before. You know this, that, and the other. And I like the one line they threw in in the episode too, where, "Hey, uh, Gorilla City's now on this earth too. So have fun with that."
0: Yeah. So at least that kind of ties in that they can definitely go and and really have some fun with this. Yeah. Because, like I said, the villain that we saw named, you didn't know who her character was at first. At least it threw me off.
1: It threw me, too, because I was trying to remember back to before Crisis, and was like, I'm like, wait, was this something they introduced right before the Crisis episode? And I just forgot about it. Because, like, the length of time between the last episode before the, the Flash Crisis episode and this one was quite a long time. And I, and I couldn't remember. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this just something I forgot? Or did they just do a poor job introing this?
0: Right, because the only thing I saw is the badge that was used to get around McCullen Technologies. Yeah. It looked like Spiral yeah. from the Grayson comic book. Right. But it wasn't. And as we see, Dr. Hoshi is actually Dr. Light number two. Yep, 2.0. If you, you want to get into the comics version, which I thought was a very interesting playback. Yeah. Uh, to The Flash's rogues gallery, obviously Dr. Light, a very polarizing villain in his own right in the DCU. Mm-hmm. So really interested to see where this is going, but let alone like the walking around with the black hole gun, I guess you could well, call it. I, I
1: think the way they explained it in the show is it was Dr. Hoshi's powers were light or something to that effect, but like they couldn't figure it out because going based off of what they knew, she couldn't really control her powers or or at least be that precise with it. So it wasn't really a light gun. It was just she was using the gun to focus her powers through it so that she could be a little more accurate.
0: Yeah, which is very different than the comics. Right. So from what I can remember of it, because like I said, when I hear Dr. Light... I was like, okay, well, this is an interesting take on it. I
1: think of the guy from Batman Beyond, to be honest. Well, you can think
0: Batman Beyond. I was thinking Titans since we just saw a version of that on there. Yeah. But for the second Doctor Light, I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. It does make sense and to a degree because I know there is some history with the Flash there. Uh, but to see how they did the interpretation looked nothing like Dr. Light and not that you needed the full costume by any means, sure, but it, sure. like I said, it threw me for a loop. It was,
1: it was an interesting take and it, it, I was very intrigued by the Bowers because this isn't something they have really run into before where it's like, okay, this isn't just a case of, you know, run around, run around, run around, dodge them and, oh, hey, you won. This is like, careful where you step. Yeah, this is, was a, a real challenge for them, which I was surprised at. But for most of the
0: episode, though, Barry was not involved mm-hmm. because Diggle makes his surprise appearance.
1: Did you think he was going to pull out the ring? I did. I, I'll i admit it because Diggle shows up. He's got a package. He's going to show it to Barry, and he's talking about moving to Metropolis, and, he, and there's a butt with a very pregnant pause. Yeah. And I was convinced he was going to show him the ring. See,
0: I thought so, but then it took me – like, the more the episode went on, I was like, no, they're not going to because the Green Lantern show, which I am fully convinced David Ramsey is going to be a part of – is going to be on HBO Max. Yeah, would they do the crossovers
1: and have that show appear on the CW in the summertime? I mean, it'd be hard not to because, well, yeah. David Ramsey's been in that world for what eight years now.
0: Yeah, it, it, like I said, it would make
1: a lot of sense, and I think it'd be smart marketing. It, it'd be a, for me, it'd be smart marketing. It'd also be hard for me to see them take David Ramsey out of this universe into another quote unquote un into another quote unquote universe. And just do black lightning him where oh hey he's in his own separate thing that's totally not connected to the Arrowverse in any way shape or form like what
0: yeah so I mean there's so many different ways they could have gone with it but what we see <laughs> revealed is the original Arrow mask that Barry had made up for Oliver yep and Barry notices being the crime lab expert that he is yeah there's a trace of Miraku. On the
1: mess. Well, well, first he notices there's a mark on it, right? And he can't figure out what the mark's from because he's like, "Oh, Oliver hasn't used this in years. What could this be from?" And and Diggle goes, "Well, maybe Felicity just dropped it." You know, but maybe it's nothing. And, you know, Barry being Barry is like, no, no, there's got to be something more to this. And that's when he brings, you know, Diggle won't go to the forensics lab. So Barry brings the forensics lab to him and he starts looking over this. And that's when he sees the traces of Mirakuru on the mask.
0: Yes. And there's only one place that they know Mirakuru is still. It's in the North China Sea. Yep. Otherwise known as Lian Yu. Yep. And there is one character that has that in his system. Yep. Which I was hoping. And I was—I knew there was a slim chance of it, very slim, because there would have been—it would have got leaked out.
1: And I, I gotta say, I like how Diggle tried to avoid going to Lian Yu. He's like, "Listen, that's not the only island in the North China Sea." But Barry just instantly goes, "Yeah, but it's the only island in the North China Sea with Mirakuru on it."
0: Yeah, and because Diggle knows that there's one Slade Wilson that yeah. last everybody had known was someplace. was somewhere there. Now, we know that he was not there at the end of Arrow last season. Right. That they did the Who Benna kind of walked away. But I think Digga was thinking, well, maybe Oliver put him back. Yeah. Because we don't know where the Slade Wilson is in Earth Prime as of right now. If he's even alive. Oh, I, I fully think he's alive. I think, if anything, Oliver kept him alive. But what he does with him now remains to be seen. Either way, you see that Barry goes to investigate and doesn't find any trace of Mirakuru on the island
1: and this is a, this is after uh he's finally convinced Diggle to go with him, and Diggle takes an obscene amount of uh motion sickness pills yes which it, it, which is a funny moment, because he's sitting there and you can just tell he's pissed and he's popping him in his mouth like you son of a and and he and Barry just looks at him and goes okay that's that that's that's too many
0: yeah. Which is gonna be interesting how they try spinning that off in Green Lantern if you're gonna be flying in space. Yeah? I I was yeah. thinking of, I was thinking of that when
1: think I was thinking that's not exactly flash speeds he's operating at.
0: True. But he's gonna be flying very fast yeah. at, at certain stages. So yeah. I wonder how if they're gonna spin that in there, but I digress. So basically Barry's story this entire episode is just dealing with he's still hoping that there's a trace of Oliver on this earth.
1: Yeah, and I think it's him reading a little too much into it and trying to live up to Oliver's, you know, legacy that, you know, he's kind of the next in the next in line. He's the Robin to Oliver's Batman mm. that he wants to live up to the legacy. He wants to carry on the tradition. And, you know, he, despite what Moira said in, you know, the last episode of the crisis where she, she kind of forgave Barry, I think on some level he still beats himself up a little bit that he didn't try and do more. And he's trying to make amends for that by doing whatever he can and doing whatever he thinks Oliver would do. Yeah.
0: So they're tied up in their own storyline. So that means Iris is left to mobilize the team against Dr. Light. Yep. And how she sets it up is after she is attacked at the Citizen, Iris gets everybody together and sets up a trap. Yep. That She is now connected the dots that uh, the CEO, uh, Joseph Carver, of McCullough Technologies is the one responsible for putting the hit out on
1: her. And I got to love the the scene where she confronted him about it. And he, he kind of like tried to show her hand and went, oh, you can't do anything about this. There's no way you can prove this. And she goes, listen, Uh, There's a dead man switch that if anything happens to me or my family, cut to Dr. Light holding a gun and shooting Killer Frost, you know, cut back to Iris, that if anything happens to me or my family, there's a dead man switch that will release all of the information I have on you your company and your connection to Black Hole to the internet for the entire internet to see a la Black Widow from Captain America too. Yeah, very smart how it was played out. And you could just see like the kind of color leave uh, the guy's face and he's just like, oh crap.
0: Yeah. So he calls off the hit, which I was very surprised and it really established Dr. Light as being a, a, a powerful antagonist. Yeah.
1: That she basically ran through uh-huh. Killer Frost. Yeah. And would have killed her were it not for Killer Frost's, like quasi-healing factor. Right. The, the
0: opening shot definitely would have done that because as we saw with Iris when she took fragments she got, from the light bullet. What did she
1: say, third-degree burns? I thought fifth-degree. Oh, yeah. I, I, thought I didn't looked, think they went that high.
0: Yeah, I didn't either, but comics reasons. Yeah, yeah. But they end with the hit getting called off after Dr. Light has been hunting and killed... Iris's original informant.
1: hit gets called off uh, the gentleman for the, the CEO of the company there who had put out a defamation lawsuit against uh, Iris's newspaper and the folks that work there for defamation uh, is dropped because, mm-hmm. hey, we still want to operate here, and there's a void to be left in the city now that Oliver's gone and in terms of, like, helping the city out.
0: Yeah, so they tie that up nicely for now, but I think Dr. Lay will be back at some point. When I don't exactly know because I think yeah. that how they left the episode hanging, which Iris could not let it go, that she was responsible for somebody's death, decided to further investigate the message that she was left behind. Yep. And she decides to break into the technologies plant by herself and go snooping around. And she gets sucked into a mirror.
1: Yeah. Well, she gets grabbed.
0: Yeah. Well, sucked to grab, you know, pulled in. Yeah. Either way, she's she's taken into this mirror dimension, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it ends, which is interesting. It's The Phantom Zone. Well, you're trying to figure out because I was thinking Mirror Master, which it mm. was, which I'm hoping to, like. Well, if you can finally you know rectify that and make Mirror Master the prominent villain that he is for the Flash, I'm all for. Yeah. Because being one of the one and dones in the early seasons, it was egregious. Yes, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. But overall, the episode was a good intro back, albeit, yeah. though, it was the swan song for one Cisco Ramon yeah, who was so overwhelmed with guilt yeah. for the metahuman cure he was working on because he felt that that was responsible
1: for crisis for whatever reason. Yeah, well, I couldn't exactly follow his logic on that one.
0: No, he was kind of going off, and I think he was just feeling... You know he he had a part to play in this. That yeah. If He had his powers. He could have figured everything out and done something. I mean, hindsight's
1: twenty twenty, my guy. Yeah,
0: but it's like you you have to realize your vibe. Yeah. You're not Superman. You were never going to stop the Anti Monitor. Yeah. Nobody could stop the, it. It took the combined efforts from heroes from
1: multi universes. Mm-hmm. To it took st- a literal god to stop the Anti Monitor.
0: Yeah. So I'm sorry, vibe. You're you're not going to be that guy to do it. And if you picked it off, how are you going to stop him in time? Either way, they do a nice write-off where he passes the mantle on to whichever Nash this is at the stage. I call him
1: Indiana Indiana Wells. Yeah,
0: so it's kind of like Indiana Jones mixed he, with Nash. He takes over, and it makes sense because the door is wide open for him to come back. Except yeah. my only question is this: so you have Cisco gone from the team, uh-huh. but his girlfriend is still working for Iris at the Citizen. Yes, along with Cecile and um, uh, the other character escaping right now. So how are you going to
1: justify that?
0: Yeah. I I know it's a a minor plot hole. I'm sure they're going to tie it up next week. Yeah, I'm sure they will. But either way, Flash, I thought, came back with a good episode. Yeah. Not blow away great, but it was enough that, okay, you have my attention for another week.
1: It it was kind of like a good, it was like a season whatever and a half starting off point because first half of the season was entirely built, built around crisis to the point where like, any other storylines they might have done or introduced kind of fell by the wayside. So this is kind of like, all right, Crisis is over. We don't have to focus on Crisis anymore. Let's get the season proper started.
0: Yeah, and they did it the right way. I mean, Grant Gustin came back and... Yeah, I love the new intro. Yeah, it did a great... Yeah, the intro was fantastic that yeah. they did. I'm, I'm a very big fan of that. And it looked like they started doing that on uh, some of the other shows as well, because I know Legends had a, a unique intro, Yeah, which uh, was very Sex Pistols-esque. Yeah. It was very punk rock, which... I'm completely fine with. Uh, so let's flip it to final thoughts on Flash, and then we'll jump into Legends really quick.
1: Great great start to the second half of the season. Really interested to see where they go, and especially what happens with Dr. Light.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think Dr. Light will be a great addition, and I am i don't know if that will be the main villain this season. Dealing with this shady organization, I mean, anything could happen there. I, 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 The Black Hole organization is not ringing a bell right now to me, so obviously if somebody knows the comics and Flash a little better than I, Hashtag ODPH and join in the conversation on Twitter because I definitely want to get a little more information on that. But to top, you know, the back end of that I mean, it did lead into the new intros happening. I didn't get a chance to catch up on Supergirl and Batwoman. We're going to do that uh, within the next couple of days. But we did have the new Legends, and Legends was Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really too much to write home about except Ava covering Bell Biv DeVoe. Ah, that's all you really need to sum up this episode with. Yeah, pretty much. That you will have poison stuck in your head for a week. Because it has been for me since watching that episode, but it was standard Legends. Nothing really super crazy to write home about. I don't know about you, Pat.
1: Uh, no, I thought it was an okay episode. Not exactly their best, but it was it was okay.
0: It was okay. I mean, it's still going on the the deal that Constantine is on a mission to stop the demon who's unleashing all these evil souls from hell and you know bringing back Buzz, Bugsy Siegel and trying to do a 1940s gangster you know saga. I thought it was, it was a nice story, and it is how Legends is American Doctor Who. Nothing really super, home, super noteworthy to write home about, but it's still worth the while to watch. But coming off the heels from Flash, it was a letdown in my opinion. But that's just my opinion, so let me know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. hashtag. ODPH. What was your thoughts about the Tuesday night lineup for the CW? What do you think about the other shows coming back post-crisis? Are they in your must-watch file, or are you saying, nah, I'm kind of skipping away until the end? We definitely want to have that conversation. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Ladies and gentlemen... A battle for your entertainment. In this corner, Mike the Fanboy Hall. Hi. Hi, I'm Mike. And his opponent, Jim the Hater Harris. Hi
0: there, I'm Jim. Our podcast is The Fanboy and the Hater where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture. We are available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and many more. Join us while we argue about the things that we love, like Star Wars, superheroes, and science fiction. So tune in to The Fanboy and the Hater, and... Let's get ready to nerd fight!
2: Hey, this is Johnny Moose from
0: Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up, I thought I would. Right now, back to the guy. Welcome back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to talk about a show that's debuting on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Now, this show is Lock and Key. Now, Pad, do you know anything about this show? Nope. All right. So Lock and Key is a comic that was out in 2008 to 2013 under the IDW Publishing banner. The author of said book is one Joe Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know anything about Joe Hill? Nope. Joe Hill is the son of
1: one Stephen King. Okay.
0: So definitely. That makes
1: sense. Just the vibe I got off of the trailer, now now knowing who his father is. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that.
0: Yes. So the story kind of centers around a family that goes to the home of its uh, grandfather, I'm assuming, the patriarch of the family. And what they find there is definitely not normal per se Mm -hmm. now the trailer has been released i know that they're doing um a big fan party event on ign as we are recording for wednesday that this trailer though was sent of your netflix subscribers so i had it sent to me i showed it to pad i want to kind of break it down best we can and just kind of give you the vibe off it so we are going to be talking some spoilers about it so three, two, one. Pad. What did you
1: think? Uh, looks real creepy, and I'm not the biggest horror fan, so I might pass on this one.
0: For me, I was intrigued. Like I don't really know too much about this book. I've heard very good things from my fellow comic book readers that I interact with. That was saying that this book definitely is something to check out. And for where this trailer jumps in, we see the family is traveling. It looks like off the coast of Maine. Like it's it's somewhere. That has like a, you know, a good summertime beachfront, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, in the northeast, because you can definitely see snow at some point there. Yep. And as you see, they're going into the house and you see that there's a young child that's talking into a well and says, are you my echo? It's
1: up in Canada based off of the filming locations listed on IMDb. All right. Specifically, uh, Nova Scotia, uh, the Nova Scotia area. Toronto is, I guess, was filmed. Uh, but, yeah, it's up in Canada.
0: All right, well, I'm just saying for storyline purposes. But shout-out to all our contingent of ODPH Society members up in Nova Scotia. Big fan base up there. So going back to the trailer, though, as you see, the child is talking to Well, and the voice answers back to him. -hmm. And this appears to be a narrator talking about what is coming in the house and just where they're starting to find these keys and just how they unlock different powers and different worlds. And you see that one child goes and touches a mirror, And the soul leaves the body, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a very cool visual effect that the other family members really don't know what's going on. And as you see, there, as they're progressing through the house, they find another key which unlocks a door. And they see there's an entity that says, You don't really have any idea what's coming forward for you. And it just really had this awesome, cool, supernatural effect. And I know you're not the biggest horror person, right? But this kind of had, like, not comparing it identically to it, but like, a more darker Harry Potter feel.
1: I'll say I'm looking at the comments on the YouTube uh, video that Netflix posted for this trailer, and a lot of people are making comparisons to Narnia, which I go check and see. Yeah, I thought so
0: too. Like Narnia, it definitely had that feel too. Yeah, and I, I do like the contingent of it because it just seemed like something really different. And if you know anything about how this show has been in like production limbo for years, to see that we're finally getting it on the screen. And let alone for Netflix to come out with it, I think is a really good look, especially for them at this time where, let's face it, Disney Plus is ruling that streaming service. Yep. Marvel has definitely implemented its will with Hulu coming.
1: Well, and especially with, like, you know, original content that is also based off of something Marvel's got Disney Plus. HBO Max is going to be coming with all the the, the DC stuff. So it's kind of like Mar- Netflix is kind of like the, the third child left with the scraps. Like, all right, wish not to, you know, kind of crap on image or IDW or any of their properties. But just you're kind of left with the all right, we got to make something out of this other stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think that lock and key for the rest of the trailer is—I don't want to say it was generic, mm-hmm. but it seemed pretty basic. Your horror elements, your your supernatural. Like at one point, you see a house on fire. Right, you see somebody is trapped inside a circle of fire going on and you see a body falling off a cliff. You you don't say,
1: I definitely got a vibe of like some Stephen King movies off of it.
0: Yeah, it definitely had it. I mean, and obviously knowing the, the lineage of Joe Hill and uh, the artwork, though, I mean, I've seen some of the footage here from Gabriel Rodriguez. I mean, it just looks incredible. And it just really gives a nice shot in the arm, I think, to Netflix. So like yeah. I said, the trailer gave enough that it, it piqued my interest. Sure. Like I said, I have not read the book. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I definitely need to check it out. And just kind of seeing how it's a simple concept of a family goes to a, a haunted house. It's set in Massachusetts, as I'm reading now. Okay. That they find all these keys and, you know, it's just kind of ties into, like, at one point during that trailer, it does show a shoebox of keys. Mm-hmm. or um, Yeah, it looks like a jewelry box, rather. I'm sorry, keys. And just each one has a different element. And I think that's such a cool idea to see how this is going to spin out from the Locke family and just the different characters that are involved. And I think, though, going into why I think this show really kind of matters, and I know we touched upon it just lightly a a little bit ago, Netflix needs something to really stand out. I know The Witcher just came out, Mm -hmm. very positively received as far as I can tell. Yeah. I haven't made it through a couple episodes. I'm not going to lie. I've tried. Yeah. It's not really clicking for me, but if it's anything like Game of Thrones, it took me Episode 5 before I got hooked. Yeah, no,
1: the thing with Witcher, and I've said this before, is the first couple episodes, are kind of it, it's jumping around, and the timeline is very, it's covering as a very large and vast timeline. Mm-hmm. Once you hit, like, I'd say the final two, three episodes is where it all finally comes together and really starts clicking. Yeah, so
0: I'm definitely going to give that a shot. But with this one, though, I'm definitely excited to jump on board with Open Eyes because I really don't know a lot what's going on here. Other than a family is going to a house, and it looks like from all the little non-spoilers I've read, because I'm really trying to duck anything that's a spoiler, Mm -hmm. is they're just investigating, or they're moving into the family house, and there's just more magic and a little darkness going on, and I think just how it's getting presented, it just has that Narnia, Mm -hmm. like Harry Potter, supernatural kind of vibe, which... I'm very intrigued to see. And yeah, I, I think it's a good shot in the arm that Netflix could really use. Like, I'm not saying this is going to take over like Stranger Things by any means, because Stranger Things is a whole other entity than unto itself. It's a
1: whole other ball game,
0: right? But I think though, for right now, it's coming in at a perfect time. I always think February is you're coming off post Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. April May is when the Hollywood big blockbusters start creeping out. It's a perfect time to drop something, and if you remember. This time last year, two shows dropped that really made an impact and dominated all last year. You remember what they were? No. Umbrella Academy Uh and Doom Patrol. Uh Oh. So that being said. Never got
1: around to either of those.
0: Oh, you don't know what you're missing. Doom Patrol, I think, might be one of the best comic shows ever made. I'll even go on record and say that. It's one of them. It's in the the conversation. But Doom (sighs) Patrol. I I could go on. I'm I'm so, so waiting on Doom Patrol season two. That needs to happen like ASAP. But I digress because, like I said, right now is a perfect time to drop that and to drop a new show. And I think for for Netflix, it definitely works out. It definitely does what it needs to. That This show coming in very under the radar. Mm -hmm. Not too many people know about it. Then, like I said, I explained it to you, and you're like, what is going on? I had also had this discussion with Rich from 3FN, and he had not really heard too much about this. And once I mentioned, like, oh, do you know the writer Joe Hill? His eyes lit up because, I mean, obviously, co-hosting on Horizon 607, he knows exactly who Joe Hill is. And to see some of the work he's been putting out lately, too, I think is really cool. And like I say, with this book, I always like it when shows get, you know, not Marvel and DC, but other independent properties get their chance to shine. And I think with, like, Umbrella Academy, it was a perfect time to do it last year. It definitely mm-hmm. definitely lived up to the quality of it. And just to see that this show is finally getting its chance because, like I said, it's been tied up in, like, production limbo. I think it went through a couple different networks that were going sure. to take it. sure. But it just never happened. So when Netflix finally got this property – I think it's a smart move for them.
1: It's a smart move for them, and it also makes the most sense just because of the way it looks. And obviously what they probably first planned and visioned out isn't what ended up in the final product. But I I have a hard time seeing something like this on a CBS, a Fox, ABC, even an AMC. Mm. AMC, this even feels like just for the, the subject matter and the material, it, it, it seems like something that's not exactly in their wheelhouse.
0: No, definitely not. So, I mean, this is just something that could just, you know, really stand out. And like I say, the comic, last issue was in 2013. I do remember hearing something about this at San Diego last year, though, Mm -hmm. that they are going to be coming back with a new book. Um, I don't really have a timetable on that and what's going to be involved with it, but I would guarantee you, though, it's a smart idea to do when the show comes out. Yeah. That not the book needs to come out this month because, like I said, I have heard nothing about this. I haven't talked to Brian from Cheers to Comics to see what he knows about this as well. But I think it's smart if this show really takes off, and I really think it's going to. I think there's going to be a lot of word of mouth that happens with this, and I think the sky is the limit for the show, just from what I've seen in the trailer. Like, I think it's going to stand out and just be something different. And like I said, for Netflix to come back, especially losing its comic properties from Marvel and how messy that divorce was. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Honestly, other than the Umbrella Academy, can you really name anything top of your head off Netflix that has been a comic property that's really taken off? Mm, no, no. I think after Umbrella Academy, we had Stranger Things, but that's a different entity. Yeah. So, and there was a long gap, in my opinion, a long gap to The Witcher. But that's a video game property. I know. I know, right. it's, I know it's a book series as right, well. Right, right. But it's a very different thing. And for Netflix, obviously. To come back, if they kick the ground running with Lock and Key, which I which I think is going to be a sleeper hit. I think it's going to be something that you need to check out, mm-hmm. tune in, and see what you can make your own opinion of. I think they'll kick in the door for some more indie stuff coming out from them for the comic world. Mm-hmm. We do know Umbrella Academy Season 2 is coming out, I believe, sometime this year. Mm-hmm. I don't have a timetable when, as we're recording. I do know that they're, the Neil Gaiman Sandman property has been picked up. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard anything about that since. I do know that We have talked about Bone was picked up, the Jeff Smith book, which I am really excited to see, and just to see where they go with their other properties, too. I mean, it is a great time for Netflix to get back in the game and really showcase what comic stuff they can do. Mm -hmm. Because like I say, their Marvel MCU stuff was top shelf. Yeah, you you can't say it wasn't. I mean, Iron had its moments. Yeah, Iron Fist is probably the lowest moment of it, but it is what it is. But season two wasn't the worst. Mm -hmm. I'm sad we're not going to see the Fraction end to that one, but you know, at least we get the Fraction uh, Hawkeye series eventually. Mm -hmm. Last I heard, that was still green lit for Disney Plus. No, it is. But overall, though, I think lock and key. I can't stress enough. I think it's good to support some indie comic products that are going to be coming out, and this is going to be a great one to really fly under the radar. And I I really think this is going to have some high potential. Just from what the trailer that I've seen, and like I say, it's a lot of buzz going around about it now. A lot of word of mouth. Like I don't think it's going to knock down any records the first weekend, mm-hmm. but I'm not down next weekend. You're going to hear a lot of people talking about the show. That's just my opinion of it. But Pad, you going to check this one out, or you think? Uh,
1: just because of the horror aspect and that creepy aspect of it, and the fact that it's uh, Stephen King's kid. Yeah, probably not. No,
0: but I'm not. I'm,
1: uh, for long story reasons, I'm not the biggest horror fan.
0: No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to pry into that. But for me, like I say, I'm not the biggest horror guy myself, but this one definitely has my attention. And like I say, I was very impressed with the trailer. It was a nice little teaser. It's nothing too flashy. It didn't give too much away. Just, you know, with these keys, it's the great power comes great responsibility of Spider-Man lore, but it's mixed in with some supernatural Narnia vibe, which I think is a very cool look at this stage. It didn't really look like anything I've seen out lately, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to go check it out this Friday when it comes out. Maybe I'll have to throw up a quick blog about it next week. We'll have to see. But I'm definitely interested to see about this. So let me ask you, ODPH Society, what's your thoughts on Lock and Key? Are you excited about this? Have you read the books? Because, I mean, they've been out from, what, 2008 to 2013? Mm -hmm. So there is some source material out there. Do you love them? Do you hate them? What is the vibe on this? Is this on your going to watch list, or are you going to just make a hard pass on it? Definitely want to have that conversation. So hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suter, and you're listening to the
2: ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it, I want you to understand, I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be, I just want to get it, I just want to come.
1: Coming back for the final segment on
0: this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad, what you got for those
1: one-shots? Got a little interesting Star Wars news uh, from the folks over at Illuminarity.com. Uh, article headline that really caught my eye. Uh, the article headline was, Obi-Wan would have fought this deadly villain from Legends Continuity and his Disney Plus show exclusive. And I went, oh? This is interesting. I haven't read everything Legends, but I'm very well-versed in some of the Legends stuff. Break it down. Uh, The article reads, quote, the Obi-Wan Disney Plus series may be on hold, but that that hasn't dimmed our curiosity. The Illuminati has recently uncovered that a shard Het would have potentially been at the center of this series as a central villain this character from the Legends continuity has sparked some ideas about what the story of Obi-Wan's series could have been before it hit delays now there might be some of you folks listening at home and I know Ken himself might be saying who in the world is a Shard Het
0: that's what I was just going to actually say
1: <laughs> yeah so he first appeared way back when now this is back under the Dark Horse banner when Dark Horse Comics was writing Star Wars comics a lot of good stuff there I highly recommend you check him out at your local comic shop uh, appear way back in uh september 22nd of 1999 in outlander uh part four uh it was issued in star wars republic issue number 10 uh but essentially a hat was a jedi set a jedi during the events of the clone wars and the old legends continuity uh you know where you know he, he was the son of tuscan raiders so he was essentially a tuscan raider jedi now he didn't wear the garb mm-hmm. while running around but he was still his parents were uh tuscan raiders Uh, You know, but he managed to survive Order 66 because he was away from his clone troops, uh, clone troopers, when Order 66 went down. But he saw it happen and he escaped and he went off to live with his uh, family or his relatives, whatever, on Tatooine. Okay. So he's masquerading around Tatooine as, you know, a a Tusken Raider while also using... uh, his his lightsaber to do things long story you can dig it up on the star wars wikipedia page you know he ends up uh be turning to the dark side and becoming darth crate and he first picks up that name way back in the star wars legacy comic issue which came out uh, in june on june 21st of 2006 Uh, as Darth Crate and that comic series, which is a really great read, it's set 100 years after the events of Star Wars A New Hope. Mm. Luke Skywalker's long dead. You're dealing with his, I forget how many grades you'd have to put in this thing. Uh, Grandson Cade Skywalker, who is very much at the polar opposite end of how Luke Skywalker is. You think of Luke the Noble do right, do good Jedi, whereas Cade is like, I'm a bounty hunter who also does drugs.
0: Yeah, a little. you
1: know, so it was. It's very interesting. You know, uh, the thing with Dark Crate is he abolished the "quote unquote" rule of two that you hear referenced in the movie and in the books and games and stuff like that, where they want a master and apprentice. You know, uh, and, and instead he established the rule of one, one Sith order, and a lot of minions involved with it. It's a very good comic series read. I definitely recommend you pick up the the trade paperbacks and, and give the comic series a read. It's it's really good. It's really interesting. Uh but the fact that they might have considered or might have had him in this series was very interesting and very surprising you know i know they really started featuring him heavily towards the end of you know the legends timeline if you will in terms of like real life because he was in the comics he was also getting referenced in the some of the book series that were coming out at the same time where you you started to see hints and inklings of it, like, wait a minute, okay, hold on, they're doing this in the comics, and they're referencing a planet that he's on in the comics, but the books are set, like, I think it was like 40 years before the co- events in the comics, like, are we tying everything together here for once, and this was before the Disney sale and all that, but no, to see... Them possibly have used him in in the Disney Plus series would have been very interesting. Who knows if they still will use him? You know, but I yeah, because it's still wide open
0: about what they're doing. Yeah,
1: it's still wide open with what they're going to do. I know they're reworking some of the scripts and what have you. So who knows if he'll stay in there? But the fact that we might have gotten you know Darth Crate you know in a, a out of Legends and into Canon would have been incredible.
0: Yeah, there's so much Star Wars characters they could use in it. Obviously, yeah. bringing them out of canon. I mean, Thrawn, we're still waiting on. Hmm. You know, bated breath if they're going to pull the trigger on that one. I, I yeah. think it's long overdue for that. Oh one. yeah. But I mean, this is gonna be that was a really interesting take of that. Yeah. If that's still the story. Yeah. I'd be all right with that. I mean, oh yeah. Because I, I, especially if, if you're going to be bringing a character like Obi Wan in there, you want to do something fresh.
1: Yeah, you don't exactly want to have him powling around, you know, the 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 desert. Shooting wampers, yeah. It, like he's got to have something to go against. Yeah, it's just not going to make any sense to mm-hmm. do that. So,
0: man, that's very, very interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Still not Boba Fett, though.
1: No, this is true.
0: But in time, yeah, in time, it's going to happen.
1: uh maybe. We'll have to wait and see.
0: So, for my one shot, mm-hmm. uh obviously, a big movie coming out this weekend. Yeah, Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn. I'm not even going to try saying the other name. That's <laughs> a long one. It's a long one. Is it really necessary? the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, you know, we'll just call it Birds of Prey because that's yeah. be easier for me. So the whole story about this is set in the Suicide Squad universe mm-hmm. thus far. I mean, it, I guess it, we could still say it's the DCEU yeah. or Worlds of DC or however you want to define it. Yeah. Uh, uh, taking place, Margot Robbie re-steps in the role as Harley Quinn mm-hmm. and joins into the crime-fighting world of the Birds of Prey as they take on one Black Mask. Uh-huh. Now, the casting for this has been very good. I am very excited about it. I mean, Rosie Perez is playing Renee Montoya, the the question. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing uh, Helena Bertinelli, the huntress. Mm-hmm. Journey Smollett-Bell is playing uh, Black Canary. Okay, Ewan McGregor is playing Black Mask. Sold. All here for that. Um, and just the lineage of the Bat villains they're tying in with this, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can go on and on. I am very interested to see how this movie plays out.
1: I'm interested to see if they do a mid credit scene or end credit scene.
0: I think they're going to. I think with this, I'm not saying they're going to tie into Suicide Squad or obviously Robert Pattinson's Batman is going to have nothing to do with this. I'm going to say right now that's going to be a whole other entity. Mm -hmm. But with this one, I'm not doubting that they set up the seeds for something. Not saying they're going to set up for like Shazam 2 or anything like that. But you're going to see a, a credit scene at some point in this. I have not read any spoilers on this. I'm going in the, with this clear-headed, just from what I've seen off the trailer. The trailer looks bright.
1: I mean, you have me sold at Ewan McGregor.
0: Yeah, Ewan McGregor being Black Mask is enough for me to go. I know some people are very trepidatious about this. Yeah, sure. And they have you know every right to be, so to speak, because Suicide Squad with Jared Leto as you know. Uh, Bark's, Joker. Yeah, I was going to say. Barks Tattoos, Joker, you know, just did not really... With, with the girl in the mouth. Yeah, just didn't really connect too much. And, you know, that whole story could have been better. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it's in my top five by any stretch of the means. I, I thought they could have done a better job. I wouldn't
1: throw it in the old DVD player if I wanted to watch. But if it was on a Saturday night, I had nothing going on, I might watch it. Yeah, I mean, went
0: to it, and I was like, okay, I was entertained. And that's yeah. all I wanted to be for yeah. this film. Because, obviously... Doing Su- Suicide Squad I the books in the 80s are phenomenal how they've rehashed it a few times and obviously you know th- mixing different players in the mix it's it's been very hit or miss so the movie obviously not exactly a home run and you know you can go into back episodes of Hero takes on that but this one I thought looked interesting mm-hmm. when coming out and I know they're kind of forcing Harley Quinn in with the Birds of Prey if you read the comics and I highly recommend checking out the Gail Simone run yeah, this is a book that I'm excited to see finally hit the screen. Mm-hmm. I just don't exactly know what we're going to expect, but early reviews I've heard about, yeah. have raved about this, Yeah, and I'm excited to see this, and I think that it's going to surprise some people. I
1: think so, too, yeah.
0: I mean, like I say, the casting has been spot on. They've definitely done some great jobs with it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where they run with it, and... To just be entertained, that's what I'm really asking for with this one. I don't necessarily know if we're going to have anything super crazy with us. Or Probably not. No, but I think that we're going to have the establishment of let's make this our own entity. Let's make this yeah. our own property. Yeah. If you're going to try redeeming Harley Quinn and, and making her into the anti-hero that she's now arguably DC's with her and Wonder Woman, I mean... Their biggest female superhero. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I mean, they may try and redeem her, but I feel like with, and and sometimes with the comics, you know, she's what they need her to be. Yeah, she can flip on the drop of a dime. That like at one minute she could want to blow your head off with the with a you know big old pistol, and the next moment she's giving you a hug.
0: Yeah, I mean, because that's just how she is. Yeah, they how how she has evolved from Batman the animated series. has been truly (laughs) something. Yeah, let's just say that. But to see how it's going to play out in the big screen, Margot Robbie, this is going to be her franchise to carry Yeah. that this takes off. I know the other characters are great in their own right, if you've ever read the Birds of Prey comic, and how they're tying in different ones. Like I said, Renee Montoya, I don't remember being a member of Birds of Prey. Right. I could be wrong, and if I am, I apologize. But I just think with this book, there's so many different routes they can go, or with this movie, rather, that I just want to be entertained. I want to be very surprised at this. I don't want it to be... Like we're force-fed Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I want the story to make sense. I really want to see you and McGregor ham it up. Oh, as he's, Black he's absolutely going to. Yeah, like I think I think how they play off each other, McGregor and Robbie, I think is going to be really fun. And I'm not down The rest of the cast stealing some scenes. I and I just want to leave this theater the same way I did Suicide Squad. I want to be entertained. Yeah. I want to say okay, I really like this movie, and I really want to have something good to talk about next week with it. I don't want to say DC failed again. I really don't. I think DC has been on a really good streak lately. Yeah. Shazam, very good in my opinion. I was entertained with that. It's a fun movie. Aquaman was better than expected, Yeah. except it was Jason Momoa doing Jason Momoa things.
1: My man. Yeah,
0: so they're on a, a good streak. Obviously, the casting, the Matt Reeves' Batman has mm-hmm. been very good. Which is now filming. It's now filming, which I'm still saying it's going to be long Halloween by the time it's all said and done. I'm... I'm really thinking DC is going to turn the corner. Am I going to say they're going to overtake the MCU? No. Hardly. Yeah, it's it's hard to think that they will. But it all depends on how the next phase plays out for MCU. Am I I calling my shot and saying yes? No, I'm not doing that. But I think at least DC is taking the right steps to contend. I think Shazam 2 is going to be really great with The Rock in it. And, I mean, when the Black Adam film comes out too as well, that's going to be something because they're doing the JSA in that. And DC can really get some momentum back, but Birds of Prey has got to carry the torch to Wonder Woman '84, mm-hmm. and I think it will. i I, I know I might be one of the few people that really has got some faith in this, but I'm thinking it's going to surprise some people. I think it's going to be very entertaining. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And am I expecting some corny parts in it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think anytime you get like Deadpool or Harley Quinn in yeah. it, like are you, there's going to be a
1: cheesy one liner. You,
0: you got to expect some cheese in there, but as long as it's kept to a minimum and it's something that'll keep me entertained and and like i say just leaving there going okay is this going to be fun i'm all for yeah that's all i can really ask for about it so let's see what happens this week pat and i are going absolutely so we'll definitely be talking about that on next week's episode so stay tuned for that do we have to talk about the fast nine trailer
1: uh it looks amazing
0: it looks like something
1: uh, just, just just, take solace, though. Uh, Vin Diesel did an interview today with Total Film, or, or an interview that just came out today, and uh, he said, quote, And I haven't told you this. I'm reading this to you for the first time. Uh, quote, I started planning for Fast 10 before we started filming Fast 9. Very much so. Uh, the universe is so robust and so rich with talent and rich with story that, on one level, it's totally feasible to have spinoffs. And I think there's something that is inevitable. Universal deserves it because of how much they've invested in this little saga. And it'd be good to give it back to Universal. And for the fans, should Fast 10 Parts 1 and 2 be the conclusion, it would be nice for this world to come f- to continue for generations to come. That's right. Fast 10 might be in two parts. Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> No, no,
0: no, stop, stop. Okay. The next segment is going to be the dependence of Ken M and not representing the ODPH panel. Listener discretion is advised. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Okay. Let us break this down. The simple saga of a street racing thief team has now evolved into a government secret ops force that stops multi-leveled attacks from terrorist organizations and lord knows what else. Well, I mean, it's no no, like, no, 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 no. It no. seems
1: like they're getting away from that at least with Fast 9 because it seems like this is strictly family related that this isn't like with some of the previous ones where no, oh, oh hey, we need you to come in and stop this. Oh hey, you need we need you to come and stop his brother. Like, this just seems like it's a strict family business type thing. It, it's Charlize Theron. She's the one that's bringing
0: John Cena, a.k.a. Dom's brother, because dun-dun-dun. Yeah. No, right. I,
1: I realize that, but I'm saying you're not seeing, you know, the government agent. I forget who the actor is, and I feel terrible for forgetting it. You know, oh, hey, your bro- we got this guy running havoc all around East London, and we need to come in. Oh, by the way, he's your brother. Like, I, I feel like they're not doing that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, the, the, this whole franchise i i the fact they got to
0: nine films the the fact they got over two i'm i'm in amazement of yeah i mean they
1: are they are cinematic gold oh you you and
0: dog, both of you guys, are like, this is your franchise. No, Star Wars is my franchise. Well, yeah, I know. Hello, look at the nickname. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we haven't called you Jay Toretto. Oh, God. Just yet. Uh, well, that's going to be your new hashtag, Jay Toretto. Uh, that's no, happening. No. Oh, that's going to happen now.
1: I'm, that's it. I'm buying you a LaShawn McCoy and Sammy Watkins, Kansas City jersey.
0: All right. I'll, you know, I can sit in the fire anyway. So, I'm sorry. As a Bills fan, I'm still a little bitter. Anyway, getting back to the segment at hand. All right. So, they've literally gone over the top every single film.
1: They're doing a drift through the through the air using a busted out bridge rope in the in the next one. What? Okay, the, the, there's only one way this
0: franchise ends and that is in space. Drifting around Jupiter, drifting around Saturn's rings. It's gonna happen. It's gonna yeah. be the most absurd thing you've ever seen. Because
1: they seemingly every time you watch one of these movies, even if you watch one of these movies, on TV because I know they're in rotation enough, you know. Watch it or watch for the big, you know, stunt scene or you know whatever scene you want to call it, and go. And you might think there's no way they can top that. That was incredible. That was crazy. Th- th- they top it. I, y- you don't know how, but they do. I don't even know like where to begin with this. Like I,
0: I, I say, I'm, will I be there? Oh yeah, I'm gonna go see this because I. This is just dumb big action. Oh, it's a summer block, but yeah. it's a summer
1: blockbuster. You you go. To get out of the heat and you get out of the sun and cool off a little bit and you go for the enjoyment. You don't go for the plot. You don't go for the story. You don't go for the character development. You just go to see cars and and crazy stunts.
0: Yeah. No, I shut my brain off the minute I walk in that theater for that one. Well, after the trailers. Oh, yeah. After the trailers is like, nope. I'm just suspending all types of belief. John Cena now is Dom's brother Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, over under a you can't see me is going to happen in that
1: uh probably by the end of it yeah
0: yeah there there'll be a you can't see me yeah will will there be an aa yeah he might
1: he might not do the hand motion but he'll he'll say the line yeah he'll say you can thought something will be
0: in there and then where
1: he'll ab- he'll absolutely throw his finisher the aa in there because the rocket threw the rock bottom and whatever one it was
0: oh yeah and you know what's going to happen for, for fast 10th josh brolin is going to come back and he'll snap <laughs> his fingers and that's how it ends for part a and then oh, part b it'll be-
1: no part ten, part ten will be cm punk <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was, I was gonna say. <laughs> I say, yeah, I say, he'll snap his fingers, and then it'll be up to Dom to, you know, get the Infinity Stones, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally out of control. Yeah, I, I, I have I, like I'm just trying to think. Like, are they going to copy like Avengers and go back in time? Like, I don't know. Like, I just where is Chris Pratt? Just, just yeah, just yeah, just just how are they going to tie this in? Like, I mean, who else is missing from this franchise? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't like honestly. I Chuck Norris. Yeah. At this rate, they should tie it in with the Expendables.
1: Oh, that'd be
0: good. It'd just be the over-the-top, and Michael Bay needs to direct although it. it you, although being, you have
1: some issue, Jason Statham's in both franchises. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, they could they could explain that away. <laughs>
0: Reasons. That's all you can ever. deserve they, never know, they, about could, the movie. they could explain it. Like I say, just to see how this movie has evolved from the late Paul Walker and Vin Diesel's yeah. original film.
1: Although, can we can we just now. can we just say how the hell is Han alive? Because, okay, I realize comic rules is unless you see a body, they're not dead. The man was upside down in a car that got exploded at point-blank range.
0: I'm not asking. I know. No, hell is No, he alive? no I, I have nothing. I literally have nothing on this. <laughs> all I know is this is going to be on the theaters. That's all you need to talk about. Like, Pretty much. I'm just suspending all belief about this because where
1: do you go from here like are you going to a part one and part two tenth movie oh my god why <laughs> i
0: like I'm, I'm sorry i got nothing on this i got to talk some comics to get myself sure. better move. Sure. oh yeah and of course they reveal wally west is a new doctor Manhattan. I'm, I'm sorry i'm seeing previews of that too yeah so i me give you some great recommendations At the shop this week. Batman 88 is out. Uh, Cover looks amazing. Batman, under the Tinian run, is looking incredible. And the cover shot with Batman fighting Deathstroke simply looks ridiculously awesome. Mm -hmm. Super excited for that. On the Marvel side of things, X-Men Fantastic Four number one is out. Uh, They're going to explain, I guess, where Franklin Richards is going to go to either Krakoa or stay with his family. So that should be a little fun series. I don't don't know exactly how serious that's going to tie into what Hickman's writing probably right, loosely right now, but I think it's a good story that they'll need to explain. Obviously, Star Wars, Darth Vader, number one is yeah. out. So I know you got that circled on your, yeah, list. by
1: Greg Pak. That looks incredible. It's set after the events of episode five, uh, Reven- excuse me, uh, Empire Strikes Back, which to my recollection is a very unexplored timeline. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. A little hand tied though, because hey, well, by the end of the series, you got to be at a certain place, but eh, you know,
0: right. And Marauders number seven is out too, which like I say, between that and X-Force, that's like my 1A, 1B of the whole Dawn of X storylines out right now. So much good sh- stuff to pick up at your comic shop. Definitely go support your local shops. Check them out. Shout-out to Justin at Sound uh, We'll be playing his uh, new comic book day uh, picks this week. And obviously, shout-out to Brian at Cheers to Comics, who always does the Wednesday poll list and gives you a lot of good subjects to talk about, too, as well. That being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots, They just got done playing a great show at Galaxy this past week. For more on them, second suitor who's going on tour very, very shortly, so you don't want to miss out on that. Floodlands, who is due to come back on the ODPH very, very soon. I got a message from Jimmy from Floodlands Pad. Mm -hmm. All it said is, soon, brother. (laughs) That's all we got. So I know there's something in the works. He was on the second suitor show talking about we're hoping to get him, Tom, and the rest of the band in here, so stay tuned for that. But to find out about all the music you hear on the ODPH, one-stop shop is hourcom Hit the music section up. You can find out about all those social media links. Join in, follow them, download their music because they're all awesome people. You can also check out the ODPH directory, which you have links to zone 607 3FatNerds, 8122Productions.com, which, Pad, I'm going to give you a spoiler for this Saturday. Uh-oh. We are going to the uh, UFC 247 watch party over at Dragon Master Games. Shout out to uh-huh. everybody over there. And I have heard rumor that before we get there, Derek is recording a new episode of Love is Scary. Oh, God. Now, I heard Mike C. is not in attendance for this. So this There's is, probably a reason for that. This is Derek with a microphone. Unopposed. Unopposed, unfiltered, uncensored. Oh, Lord. For $1 a a month, $12 a year, you can hear the the genius of the artist known as hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel. I can't sell it enough. I can't talk about it on air. I'm not behind a paywall. But they are, so you definitely want to go check out 8122productions.com and see what they're talking about. You can also find out about Tom at Off the Cuff Gaming. Just cleared 100 subscribers. Had the cake party on YouTube. So go check out his channel. Shout out to Johnny Moose at Excite Wrestling. Photography by Mike Blakesley. Everybody that supports the ODPH, our little friends section, check out on the ODPH directory. Check out Parlay Points, the complimentary blogs to the ODPH podcast. And you can find links to our social media, all our great podcasting groups we're in. Shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. Shout out to Pod Nation and shout out to Next Wave. You can check out all those podchaser.com lists right on the front page. So definitely swing on over to OchoDuroParlayHour.com because that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken em. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>